The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to read to you today from Psalm 19 and verse 14. David writes, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Three weeks ago on Sunday night, we spoke from this verse, and I want to try to continue, continue there today. Now, since it has been three weeks, I just want to restate the main points that we made the first time. And we won't read the verses, but I'll just give you the reference in case you want to write that down. We entitled our message, Acceptable Words. And what we focused on last time was why this is an important subject. Why does what we say matter? And we gave four reasons. First of all, if our words ought to be acceptable to God, that means they can be unacceptable. And we looked at James chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, and Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Secondly, our words expose our character. What you say tells a lot about your character. And we read Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35. And then a third reason that this is important is that our words can destroy. You remember in Proverbs 18:21 it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we also looked at James chapter 3 verse 5 and 8. And then fourthly our words are a measure of our spiritual maturity. And we looked at James chapter 3 and verse 2. Now as we continue with this subject today, we want to look at what we say. And if the Lord guides us to continue with this subject, it's going to get harder as we go along. What we say is something we need to think about. Because the Bible refers to those that don't think about what they say. For example, look at Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterward. A fool gives no consideration about whether or not he should say what he thinks. If he thinks it, he says it. A fool uttereth all his mind. So if you uh, are not considerate about whether or not you should say what you think, you're going to give the indication that you're a fool. And certainly as a child of God, and especially as a member of the church, we don't want to 
give the indication to others that we are a fool. The fool uttereth all his mind. If you've ever met someone like that, you realize you don't want to spend a lot of time with them because it's not beneficial. And furthermore, it's usually a one-sided conversation. Notice also in Proverbs chapter 15, in uh, verse 2, Since the fool uttereth all is mine, verse 2 of Proverbs 15 says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. There's no quality or quantity to what he says. He doesn't discipline himself with regard to what he says, that is the quality of his conversation, and he gives no consideration to the quantity. The mouth of the fool pours out foolishness. It takes no effort in terms of discipline to utter all your mind and pour out foolishness. Just remove all restraints on the flesh, ignore the teachings of Scripture and the convictions of the Spirit to watch what you say, and you will be found uttering all your mind. Now, I don't think there's anyone here that falls into that category, but as Brother Chris and I have often said, we realize that if the Bible addresses a particular problem, that means you and I have the potential to have that problem. Otherwise, why would it need to be addressed? So we want to focus primarily on the positive at this point because I believe that's what you're concerned with. We want our words to be acceptable in the Lord's sight. So notice this description, first of all, in Proverbs chapter 8. And I'm not going to define the words here, but you can read this and think upon it later today because it just expresses the thought in such a detailed way. Proverbs chapter 8 and beginning with verse 6. Here, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. Now, are you willing to analyze your conversation in light of this verse? I will speak of excellent things, things that are profitable to talk about. The opening of my lips shall be right things. My mouth shall speak truth. Have you ever heard someone say, after they say something that they ought not to say, or maybe they said something in anger, and then they say, well, it's the truth. Just because it's the truth doesn't mean you should say it. 
I could say a lot of true things about me that would cause you to never want to hear me preach again. But it's the truth. And there's things I could find out about you that are true, and I may not want to be in your company again. Just because it's the truth doesn't mean you say it. That's no justification. Other people seem to think that uh, if it is the truth, it doesn't matter how you say it. I've heard church members say that before with regard to preaching. Someone may be offended by the preaching, and they're not really offended by what was preached. They're offended by how it was preached, and someone will try to justify that by saying, well, it's the truth. But when you're dealing with truth, which is all we should be dealing with, we should still be concerned about what we say and how we say it. I'll speak excellent things. The opening of my lips shall be right things. My mouth shall speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. There's nothing twisted. There's nothing deceptive. My motives are pure in everything I say. Now, our primary verse that I want us to look at today is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Because this verse is concerned with what we shouldn't say and what we should say. If I could only give you one verse for you to study in order to learn how you should govern your conversation, this might be the verse. Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, and we're just going to read the first part right now, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now what does the word corrupt mean? It means rotten. That's the literal meaning. If you ever went too long without cleaning out the refrigerator and you discover some food in the back that's been there a month or more and it's corrupt. You know, there's sometimes I'll open a container and ask uh, if this is still good to eat. But you know, there's sometimes you may open a container and you know it's not good to eat. It's corrupt. It's uh, rotten. The word corrupt, as far as our uh, conversation is concerned, can mean that which is worthless. There's no benefit in saying it. Now, it's okay to talk about things that are not uh, necessarily uh, promoting spiritual growth. In other words, it's okay to talk about a football game, but he's talking here about things that are worthless in that it'd be better off not to say them at all because it's corrupt. That's the negative connotation of worthless. And then it can also mean unfit for use. Unfit for use. That's corrupt communication. Paul says don't allow it 
to come out of your mouth. Now, if you think this is hard to hear preached, it's even harder to preach. Even as I preach it, what, what are you hearing? You're hearing what I say and how I say it. And most of you know me well enough to know that I failed in this area, just like we all have. You know, that's why I emphasize the point from James where he said that if a man's able to bridle the tongue, he's also able to keep his whole body under subjection. In other words, if you can manage your tongue, if you have that degree of self-discipline, then any other area that requires discipline is less difficult to get under control. You read the book of James. We looked at some of that, and it talks about the tongue's a little member, but what a great matter a little fire kindleth. He says the tongue can no man tame. And that brings us to the next point. If we're to be concerned about what we say, and in particular we're not going to let anything corrupt, anything that's unfit for use to proceed out of our mouth. And then we look at James chapter 3 and verse 8 where he says the tongue can no man tame. Then based on those two statements, you would conclude, well, the Bible says I can't do anything about it. The tongue can no man tame. That's why we need the Lord's help. Now, you know, certainly we need the Lord's help with regard to what we say. But in particular, and we might talk about this later, you need the guidance of the Spirit to know when you're in a particular situation whether what is good to say ought to be said at that time. Have you ever realized that? What you have to say should always be the truth. It, you may think this is good to say. You know, sometimes things I say to the church, I have to pray for quite a while, Lord, is this the appropriate time to say this? You need the guidance of the Spirit in terms of what you say, how you say it, and especially when to say it. I can't really find a scripture that's precise on when to say it, other than the book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time to speak and a time to keep silence. But look at Psalm 141, verse 3. With regard to what James said, that the tongue can no man tame. Psalm 141 and verse 3. David prays, set a watch, O Lord, that means set a guard, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. In other words, here's something to be aware about and to pray about. What does he say? What is his prayer? Lord, uh, set a watch, a guard. Put a guard before my mouth. 
What does a guard do? A guard controls who enters and exits. David says, Lord, put a guard at my mouth. I need your help to control what I say. Keep the door of my lips. Notice the detail there. You know, sometimes he'll use the word mouth, sometimes the word lips, sometimes the word tongue. And our prayer should always be, Lord, help me say the right things in the right way at the right time. Now I want you to consider also two other things with regard to what you say. The main point being that what you say should be that which is not corrupt. It's not ruinous. It's not, uh, it's not destructive. It's not unfit. It's not worthless. The reason we need to be careful about that is because others will find out what you say. If someone ever tells you, well, I'm not supposed to tell this, but that means you're going to turn around and say, I'm not supposed to tell this, but human nature wants to tell bad things. Admit it, your flesh likes to tell things that are maybe drama in somebody else's life. Your flesh likes to tell that. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10 in verse 20. And as I read this, you'll find out that a lot of the expressions that people use today actually had their beginning in the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 20. Have you ever heard someone say in a situation... Maybe someone came up to you and said, you know, I, I heard about this. And you say, how did you know that? And you say, oh, a little bird told me. <laughs> did you know that's based on the Bible? Right. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 20 says, Curse not the king, know not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. Don't even talk about this in the bedroom. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Now, I know, and I hope you understand, that's not talking about a literal bird is going to be given a voice. It's used in a figurative sense, just like we use it today. Oh, a little bird told me. That means somebody that knew about it that wasn't supposed to tell it told me. You know, it's hard to give someone a surprise birthday party, isn't it? Because people have problems being quiet about it or saying something related to it that'll give it away. Did you know if, if everyone in the church knew everything that everyone else had said about them in their absence, we'd be split up, wouldn't we? We would. 
All of us have said things about other people behind their back that we would not say in their presence. I'm as guilty as anyone. Like I say, you think this is hard to hear? Try to preach it. But think about this, that there are often people that we say negative things about, yet the Bible says you need to go to that person. You know, when we say things, when I make the point that what we say ought not be corrupt, that doesn't mean we ought not to talk about things that need to be corrected or changed. But there's a way to do it. If someone's in error, it is, it is worthless to talk about them, but it can be very profitable to talk to them. And that's when you'll need to incorporate, as we may look at later, not only what you say, but how you say it. And look also at this one. Not only might a little bird carry it, but look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and beginning with verse 20. Now this will hit you right where you are in your human nature. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Someone tells you they're living above sin, they're a liar. There is not a just man upon the earth. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, there has never been a person on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And when he says there's never been a person that doeth good, that's speaking that in our fallen state, apart from the Spirit of God, uh, as Brother Chris mentioned just last week, I believe, even the plowing of the wicked is sin. The best of our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now listen to this. Are you offended when you find out somebody said something bad about you behind your back? This will slap you in the face. Listen to this. Also take no heed unto all the words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. You know, Brother Chris was my boss at one time. This says, Brother Chris, don't, don't, Pay attention to everything Buddy says about you when you're not around. You know why? Lest, uh, he says, for oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. You've done the same thing, people just didn't know about it. How many people would you have offended so far in your life if everyone knew everything you said about them behind their back? And since that's the case, since you know you've done the same thing, don't pay too much attention to it when it's done to you. Amen. Does that mean we should never address offenses? That's not what it's teaching. But it's teaching there's a lot we need to overlook. Love covereth a multitude of sins. And you know that, that doesn't mean that if someone's in the church and they're living an ungodly life that we just say, well, we're to love everyone and overlook it. The lesson there is that when we remember how sinful we are and we see someone with some of the same problems we have, we're not going to be offended by everything they say or do. 
Matter of fact, the Old Testament says, make not a man an offender for a word. You know, there are some things we say that we don't think about their basis or what they came from. But I'm not going to make a man an offender for a word. You think about this word, for example. You ever thought about what's the basis for the word dadgummit? You ever said that? Think about a word that uses those same letters in a different order. Dadgummit. Now, I'm not going to get offended every time someone says that and say, oh, I know what that word came from, and I'm offended that you would say that in my presence. But there are a lot of words, a lot of things we say that we should apply discipline to ourself to change. What about the expression holy cow? The Bible says holy and reverend is his name. An idolater believes a cow is holy. But if someone uses that word, I'm not going to get all upset. You know why? Because they're not thinking about it in that way. It's just an expression that has become a habit. But we all ought to think about what we say and change when we need to. Cows aren't holy. There's some countries where people are starving because they think cows are holy. So just think about what you say and say, here's an expression that I probably would do better not to use. Now we could talk about taking God's name in vain at a later time, but isn't it offensive when someone that has no real fear of God gets upset and says, Jesus Christ. Isn't that offensive? That, that's one of the things that really bothers me. Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if you don't love him, please don't even use his name. I love him. He's my savior. I don't want to use his name in vain. So there are a lot of little things we need to think about. But we're not to police each other and microanalyze everything each other says. But one of the best things we can do is be, be an example. Your children are going to say what they grew up hearing you say. I remember, and I'm not even going to tell what it was. I remember one of our children, and I'm not even going to tell them what it was. When they were little, started saying something that me and Tina were saying, and when they started saying it, I'm like, we got to quit saying that. <laughs> it's not appropriate, let's just put it that way, it's not appropriate for them to say it at their age. But the point is, they're going to copy and mimic what you say. So if you cuss in front of them, they're going to learn to cuss. Now, let's look at the positive side of this. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And notice it doesn't just say that which is good. You know, the Bible says a flattering mouth worketh ruin. 
If someone just always says good, pleasant things that you want to hear, that's flattery. People that will brag on you in your presence and curse you behind your back. But this says, let that proceed out of your mouth which is good to the use or for the purpose of edifying. Now, that's an easy word to understand. You all know what it means in a literal sense. An edifice is a building. This building that we're in is an edifice. It was built up to what it is now. That was profitable. That was good. It was productive. But in a spiritual sense... You can think of it as building up with your words as opposed to tearing down with your words. It's that which promotes growth. That which is good to the use of edifying. And what i about to say going to be Profitable or unprofitable? You know, I caught myself at the table this morning saying some negative things, and I finally said and stopped and said, let me quit talking about the negative and let's get on the positive. It's so easy to do that. You say, well, they already know this, so it's really not hurting anything. Well, you're reminding them about it. You're keeping it on their mind. Sometimes people get a low view of you just because of what they've heard you say in the few times they've been around you. I could name a man right here in this county that the first few times I heard him talk was in a context where he was talking loud the whole time. And I had a very low view of him. But when I got to know him more personally, every time I see him now, he refers to me as brother, and he's my friend, and he's always encouraging me. But see, if I judged him based on my first exposure, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. Well, it'd be far better for that first impression to be good, wouldn't it? So even then, we need to be careful about what we say. You know... A lot of us cut up with each other and, and, and say things sarcastically. But you know, there's been a few times when people thought I was serious when I was just joking around. One time, I told someone I had a picture of my old girlfriend in my wallet. I did. It's a picture of Tina. Picture my old girlfriend in my wallet, and the person I told that to didn't realize I was joking around. So see, you need to be careful about the things you say to people that don't know you very well. They may take it wrong. So there's a lot of things that, that it might be okay to say it at a later time or when you get to know the person better, but... For the time being, you might need to be more careful about what you say. Now let me look at one other thing briefly. 
Don't promote yourself. That's a turn off fast, isn't it? Don't brag on yourself all the time. Don't brag on your children all the time. You know, I've really enjoyed watching Abel play football. And I have to be careful not to make that the center of a conversation. Because we don't need to promote ourselves. If you're talking to someone and they see that all you're interested in or focused on is yourself, they're not going to really want to talk to you. And you know, in light of that statement, I think about what Martin Luther said one time. He said there is, think about this in light of what you say. There is no such thing as the secular. Everything is only an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. Isn't that a good point? No such, no such thing as the secular. Everything we do is an opportunity to promote the kingdom of God. I can name you of several situations one not too long ago where, where I had a burden to bring up the church to this young girl. And it was in a, it was in a, a store a, a, that sold young people's clothing and they had loud music playing. And I said, why do I have a burden to bring up the church to her? But as soon as I did, I realized why. She showed a lot of interest. And as a matter of fact, one of the things she said was, well, you know, I grew up in churches where they just had singing and preaching and praying, and now here in Tuscaloosa, I can't find any churches like that. That's something I wanted to hear, and I wanted to pursue. So every situation is an opportunity. You know, people, some people are prone to complain all the time. We ought to be thankful all the time. When you pray, the first thing you should do is give thanks. Paul even said in writing to the church at Philippi, in everything with supplication and prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice what he says. He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You say, what do I have to be thankful for? If you ask that question, you've been living in America too long. Food, clothing, shelter, transportation, good health, medical technology, a nice home, heat in the uh, winter, air conditioning in the summer. All you have to do is touch a button to get the exact temperature you want. Isn't that amazing? My father was born in 1912. It wasn't like that then. You had to go out and cut wood no matter how cold it was, and it was a big deal to even get the stove going to cook breakfast. Now we can throw something pre pre already uh, prepared in the microwave. I know it's probably not healthy for you, but we have such convenience, don't we? Did you ever think we would have Alexa? <laughs> I'm still amazed. You know, the science fiction movies that I watched growing up weren't that advanced. <laughs> you know, you can ask Alexa, anything, and you'll usually get good, useful information. Of course, my purpose, whenever I'm, I don't have one, but my purpose is usually to try to confuse her. 
Have you ever asked Alexa if, if she loved you? Try that sometime. If you ask her, ask her if God is real sometimes. But the point is, we are, we are saturated with convenience, aren't we? And comfort. Think of your smartphone. Any information I need is right there. When I was growing up, I remember it was a big deal when you got a set of encyclopedias. There's not encyclopedias anymore. But with all the information that's available, we need to be careful about what we say. The more you learn, the more you know, the more wisdom you need. But I got away from the point I was trying to make, so let me conclude with this. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 2. Now we use this a lot in our family and sometimes I've used it with you all joking around. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. Now we joke around with that because it's not a problem with the person we're joking around with, but you ever been around someone that really has that as a problem? That they always like to talk about how great they are or how great their children are. You know, I remember one time I was in a conversation with someone and I, I told them about an accomplishment my children had made and they practically ignored it and began talking about the accomplishment of their children, which was way beyond what my child had accomplished. You know, you can, it doesn't take long to get a sense of people's mindset. And then in Romans 12, 3, most of you are familiar with this. Paul says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man as among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now what's he talking about there? He didn't say you need to keep yourself in the gutter all the time and tell yourself you're worthless and you can't do anything right. If you're born of the Spirit, you can do things that are right. You can do things that please the Lord. What he's saying here is don't think more highly of yourself. To think soberly means to, to have a moderate view of the matter. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. You know, there's another scripture that says that if we think we stand, we need to take heed lest we fall. We need to always have a low view of ourselves. And people will appreciate that in you. They will. They will like being around you when you're not the person in the room that knows everything and you're there to enlighten everyone else. You know, that's 
One of the reasons the Lord deals with preachers the way he does, one of the reasons he calls men who otherwise would have no self-confidence in public speaking, the reason he calls men from all kinds of different walks of life is because he deals with them in such a way that they have a, a gift to teach the flock of God, but when they're out of the pulpit and visiting among them, they don't feel like they're very important. That's the way it is. A lot of times I'll say, what, what can I teach? <laughs> I didn't make very good grades in school. So it's very important that we don't think we're the one everybody needs to listen to. I hope this will help you to think about what you say. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to edifying. Ask yourself the question, is what I'm about to say, even if it's addressing something negative, even if it's addressing a problem that needs to be corrected, is what I'm about to say going to be profitable? Is it going to help solve the problem or is it going to add to the problem? One thing you can ask yourself, is this, if everybody else in the church talked like I do, what condition would the church be in? Let us be an example of what we ought to say. Maybe we can look later at an even harder part, which is how we should say it. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.